shooting. Skimmer Way near Lakewood, Charles 478, Tango. Thank you for joining us on Inside EMS. Now the always entertaining Chris Zebalero and the Ted Nugent of EMS, Kelly Grayson. Well, here it is, and here we go with another great episode of Inside EMS. I'm your host, Chris Zebalero, and joining me once again is my good friend, Kelly Grayson. Kelly, how are you? I'm tired, man. I am, I am tired, weary. I've been teaching uh, heart saver first aid CPR all day, and... Uh, it's it's draining, it really is. Maybe what you need to do is uh, have some wine, put your feet up, and get wear your fuzzy bathrobe, and uh, watch a chick flick. I mean, <sighs> what what the heck is that about? Well, so so you're asking me to you're asking me to put on clothes. I'm already naked in my beanbag uh, chair, as go. per here usual protocol for recording our podcast. You know that wasn't Beer, in the contract. When we Cheetos, first started this process. Chair. We didn't talk about this, and I think we need to renegotiate <laughs> as we're getting ready to come up on I our 150th show. Chair 150th the, yeah. show. I think you have to start doing uh, doing the show and close again. So, but uh, the, the beanbag chair was in my contract, just like the punch bowl of green M and M's. The only stipulation was I could not activate my webcam. All right. So here we go, Madonna. So <laughs> we're going to. Go ahead, and uh, well, once again, we're going to be joined by EMS royalty, Kelly, and uh, we'll call her the Countess of EMS. Catherine Counts is going to join us again, and we're going to discuss. How about that for a nickname? The Countess of EMS. The how, Countess. How about that? How awesome is that? So anyway, she's got an article that came out. I think it's a really great article. We're going to talk about it, but I'm going to go ahead and uh, step away, give the bow, and let you uh, introduce her. With us today is Catherine Counts, author of the Making EMS Count column on EMS1.com. Uh, Catherine's a health sciences researcher and a doctoral candidate and a rising star in EMS. We're happy to have her with us. Counts, welcome to the show. Hey guys, happy to be here. It's always great to have you again. And how do you? How about that nickname, the Countess of EMS, EMS royalty, uh, the Countess? Yes. Come on. No, I'm okay with just counts. I think that's I a, know, a decent nickname. And that's where the, the Ted Nugent of EMS came from. I mean, I've got so, that knack so, of giving people great nicknames. Well, I mean, if I'm following in Ted Nugent's shoes, then I guess it might be okay, but I'm not sold yet. Well, that's why Kelly's yeah, the Ted Nugent the, of EMS. Yeah, I like to think that I'm the, like, because of the guns, but not because of the rhetoric. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. Sometimes rhetoric. So- Rhetoric. Sometimes Uncle Ted says things I wish he would just get off my side, but uh, otherwise, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll take you, the man. comparison. Rhetoric and Kelly Grayson, synonymous. Synonymous. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So, Catherine is here to talk to us about uh, what color uniform should paramedics wear. It was a great article that she put out uh, towards the end of January. But before we jump into that, she is coming hot off the presses from the Eagles Conference down there in world-famous Dallas, Texas. So, uh, Counts, do you have, uh, can you give us kind of an overview of what you learned down there, what the big takeaways were? Well, Eagles, this was my second year at Eagles, and it's by far one of my favorite conferences in general, and I go to about one a month across industries. And I like it because it's quick and dirty in the sense of the presentations are never more than like 10 minutes. So anybody that's ADHD, a.k.a. the entire EMS industry, gets along just fine because there's no chance you can fall asleep while someone's talking because 
by the eventually people start clapping again and on to the next guy. Um, and then particularly we focused on making sure that we were sharing everything under the gathering Eagles 17 hashtag so that all over the world, there are people talking about the Eagles, uh, the stuff that the Eagles are doing in the various cities that they're serving. And it's just awesome to see the spread of EMS research and kind of up and coming ideas within the industry. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, I mean, when you when you just define that kind of as down and dirty, I think that's really defines Kelly the most. But so let me ask you this then: <laughs> I've wanted to attend Eagles. I'm looking forward to the next one. Yeah, you should come, Kelly. I'm a I'm a big fan. It's different. It's it's the most unique <clears throat> conference I've ever been to, and I definitely think it should be at the top of someone's list. Well, and the fact that it's it's so heavily research based is is uh, is a big plus in my eyes. So. Yeah, and I think that one of the things that you learn is, you know, kind of where the, the, the smell of EMS is going to be going in the next uh, couple years, because mm-hmm. these are the biggest medical directors in the career field that are, you know, kind of sharing their kind of sharing their best practices. And everybody kind of goes there. And even if your medical director isn't part of the gathering, at least, uh, you know, you can take that back to your organization to say, hey, this is what I learned. And there were some great discussions. I know community paramedicine was a big topic. I know that there was also a uh, big discussion on active shooter. So for you then, Counts, what was the biggest takeaway you had from Eagles this year? Um, well, I had the opportunity to cover the pre-conference the first the two days beforehand uh, mm-hmm. for EMS One and just attend it. And I think for me, the biggest takeaway was realizing just how interconnected this community of physicians is and recognizing that they are legitimately trying to improve the industry and it starts with them communicating with each other. And even if you don't necessarily see it or you don't recognize what's, it it doesn't immediately happen within your agency, it's obvious that all of these medical directors are are working their tails off trying to improve EMS as a whole. It does sound like it was a great conference. Glad you had a good time. And we so appreciate your Twitter feed that was coming out of there as well. And, uh, you know, you kept us kind of abreast of what was going on, so we really appreciate that. But let's go ahead and get to why we are here today. And you had an article that you uh, wrote on the 30th of January called What Color Uniform Should Paramedics Wear? Applying the Lessons Learned from Research About Uniform Colors in Other Industries to EMS. And first off, I think I want to ask you, uh, and first, I I guess the first question I want to ask you is, what was the catalyst for this article? Oh, this is one of my favorite stories for how I got an article idea. So I'm in the EMS One Network on LinkedIn, uh, which I know is a growing social media platform for EMS. And um, I think it was an EMS chief in, I don't even remember what state he was in, but he actually asked this very question. He was like, is there any research on uniforms in EMS? Because his his people were wanting to change their uniform uh, style and color. And I happened to see it because our editor-in-chief, Greg Freeze, commented on it. And I said, hey, give me your email. I'll send you, I'll send you a quick note with some research. So I did a, a PubMed search, and I found him a couple articles, none of which are EMS applicable, but they are from public safety and healthcare. And, of course, Greg was CC'd on it, and he emailed me back, and he says, well, it looks like you've got your next article idea. But he didn't say it like that. He probably said, well, that sounds like you've got your next article idea. Uh, <laughs> Gosh. Write it up and send it to me, and I'll get it in the pipeline. That's why. That's why you're going to get fired from this show right here, just because of that. Right there. Um, I, I I don't have a mental model of what Greg sounded like, but yes, he essentially instructed me that this was going to now be an article. That was actually yeah. that was actually Greg. We actually had him on via the phone in that segment. So you know that that's how good it is. 
what conclusions did you draw from from the uh, your article? Now, the the research points to uh, I say a lot of things in your article that that the color uniform doesn't necessarily. Uh, or it conveys a, a good deal of authority. Your uniform choice uh, conveys your authority to a certain extent, but it doesn't necessarily follow that a uniform that looks like a police uniform uh, exposes you to more violence uh, or that uh, police uh, are exposed to, to more violence uh, based on their uniform color. But, uh, what do you tell us more about that? So I'm realizing that there's three different categories as far as the uniform debates concerned. There's the idea of what color are you wearing, which is the most basic. There's the idea of how police officer like does it look. So are are you wearing the button down? Are you wearing mm-hmm. the badge? Are you wearing the name patch? And then there's also the idea of the safety component of like how visible is it on a on a dark street. And the research is limited to, uh, for police officers, is limited to a couple of studies that focused on color. And so they did, you know, dark versus light uniforms versus brown, et cetera. And what they realized is kind of the lighter, the darker uniforms were interpreted as less trustworthy, less friendly, less competent. And the lighter uniforms were um, the most favorable as far as perception was concerned. Um the idea of a uniform is always a positive thing. People convey, they recognize it conveys some kind of power within the individual that's wearing the uniform. And sometimes children, children can't even realize that if someone's wearing a uniform, if they're told it's a costume, they legitimately can't process the fact that it's a costume. And they will assume that the wearer is actually the embodying their costume. Um, and as far as like the violence Like Teenage Mutant cons- Ninja Turtles? I guess like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I've never seen the movie. Or the cartoon. Or the cartoon. Go ahead and finish your thoughts. Sorry to interrupt. Um, So as far as the part about violence is concerned, um, police officers, there's one study that's been done uh, for police officers wearing dark uniforms. Because the stereotype now with the, I want to say the militarization of police is we see Uh the stereotype of like the bear cat and there's a bunch of officers in all black and SWAT gear, et cetera. You know, it doesn't necessarily uh, yield a positive public perception. However, police officers wearing dark uniforms are not prone to an increase in actual violence when you control for community variables. So that means, you know, if if you wear a light blue uniform in a high crime area or an all black uniform, the police officer has an equal risk of experiencing violence. Same as if you wear a light blue uniform in uh, the suburbs of the safest town in America and or an all-black uniform in the suburbs of the safest town in America. There's no increase in violence when controlling for community characteristics. Yeah, one of the things that I well, – I, I want to go ahead and, and jump in here, Kelly. Uh, go ahead. I, I was on the side of saying that there has been no violence on EMS providers based on the uniform they're wearing. And as, as I transitioned my workforce when I was uh, working at Christian Hospital to button-down uniforms, to badges, to name plates. Uh, there was a lot of challenge with that. There was a lot of challenge that we were... Wait, wait, wait. Badges? <laughs> badges? We don't need no stinking badges. You feel better? Okay, sorry. Okay, yeah, I feel fine. much better. Okay. Man. So, you know, there was a big issue. The big issue was we're going to get mistook for uh, cops, and there's going to be more violence. And someone even had the audacity to say, you know, wearing this badge, someone is going to rip this badge off my chest and stab me in the neck. But here's where the challenge comes in, Kelly. So I was very, very staunch in the fact of saying that 
this is not going to affect your safety. And it's going to make you look professional. I think it's going to give you more credibility in the in the community until the events of Ferguson, Missouri happened. And then oh, yeah. all of a sudden, the people that were in button-down uniforms and badges and nameplates became the focus of uh, someone that needs to be attacked. And very, very quickly, I had everybody remove their uniforms, go back to their T-shirts or whatever it was during this event, and then I never had them put those uniforms on again because the, the threat became real and those providers were going to be hurt and it wasn't worth the whim of someone's going to stab me in the neck with my badge. So that was a very, very big transition within our field to say we might not want to look like police. Well, let's yeah. put that in context because not everyone is having riots for months on end. They're not, but Real- I mean, we we look at some of these cities now. We talk about Minnesota. We talk about Baltimore. We talk about uh, um, uh, where was it just recently? Was it Nashville or Memphis, wherever it was? I mean, so we're seeing these at least once a quarter now. What Ferguson, Missouri did counts is it set the precedent that this is the behavior that's supposed to be undertaken when these types of, of crimes or these types of shootings happen, and we're going to continue to see them. <clears throat> My take on the whole thing is, is I don't see so much that, that having a darker police-like uniform uh, exposes us to more violence uh, or makes us more, more likely to, to be assaulted. Um, the, the issue for me is, is it's a softer issue and it's probably not quantifiable, but the rapport I develop with my patients is based uh, a great deal on looking like a, a figure of help without being a figure of authority. In other words, I'm not worried about getting assaulted or, or being exposed to violence because I look like a cop. Uh, I don't want to look like a cop so I can get in the back of the ambulance and say, hey, man, I'm not the police. This is not a concern to me. I'm not here to rat you out. I need to know what I, uh, the information necessary to take care of you. And I can build a rapport with patients that way by, you know, kind of subtly playing against the playing the I'm not a cop card. And it's much easier to do that when you're not dressed like one. It's not that I fear for my safety. I think I interact with patients a little better uh, in the way I approach EMS if I don't look like a police officer. Yeah, I don't know that and I can I, subscribe to that. But I, I'm sorry, Catherine. Cut you, well, I'm sorry, Catherine. Well, you're cut you're you off. entitled you to be as wrong as you are. Whatever. What do you, what do you wear? <laughs> what, what is your uniform presently? What kind of uniform do you wear? What, what are you wearing counts? What am I wearing? I'm, I'm wearing you, shorts Kelly. and a t-shirt. Yeah, I did not come to this interview naked on a beanbag. Eating Cheetos and Shiner Box. E- eating oh, Cheetos. Kelly, what does your uniform look like that you work in? I well, I I subscribe to Pickle Power. Uh, wear the dark green uniform pants and the light green uniform shirt. Is it a button-down shirt? Uh, is it a pullover your, uh, shirt? It is a put. It is a button-down shirt. And, does it have a badge? And I I make no no badge. Uh, we have a photo uh, name clip ID, uh, and and that is it. We don't have to wear badges or or uh, metallic name name plates or anything like that. Okay. Uh, we are we wear green cargo pants and light green cargo uh, or light green button down shirts with uh, dark green epaulets. Well, my question is, is is there are there any police agencies in the areas that you service, which I know is essentially the state of Louisiana and Texas for those that are the pickup yeah. crew. I mean, I don't know of very many police agencies that wear green uniforms. No, I don't think so. Uh, at most, I would be uh, mistaken for a park ranger. Uh, and um, 
you know, unless I'm uh, unless I'm uh, looking for a stolen picnic basket, I don't think that's an issue anyway. Um, but the the uniform we currently wear certainly beats the heck out of the original. If you see that in the show notes, uh, um, our the original Acadian uniform was uh, from the Herb Tarlick signature collection from J.C. Penney. Uh, <clears throat> um, there are people out there that was, don't uh, know who Herb Tarlick is. Yeah, you guys don't know who Herb Tarlick is. Herb, well, but for of a certain generation, you remember Herb Tarlick from WKRP in Cincinnati. Well, that's what her original uniforms looked like. Um, but one thing that w- one change in Acadians uniform policy in recent years, this is probably five years ago, uh, they used to allow us to wear a lightweight knit uh, polo shirt, and they did away with the polo shirts because they thought they looked unprofessional. Uh, <clears throat> and I have no, uh, I have no doubt that uh, a button-down shirt is probably perceived as being more professional than a t-shirt or a job shirt or a polo shirt. The question is, is, is how important is that uh, perception in the eyes of, of our our, uh, our patients, uh, and and what role the uniform plays. My position has always been the thing that far more affects a patient's perception of the people taking care of them is the provider's attitude, not what they're dressed in. Now, there are limits to that. You can't look like, as Nancy puts it, Joe Bag of Rags. You have to look professional. But I think you can look professional without necessarily looking formal. <clears throat> Excuse me. And wearing a, a clean well-laundered polo shirt and a clean pressed pair of, of cargo pants and polished boots uh, seems to be just fine. Uh, I think you would negatively impact uh, your patient's perception a heck of a lot more by your attitude and demeanor than you would by your manner of dress. And the question then becomes, are your people happier in the uniforms that they prefer or in the uniforms you prefer? You see what I'm saying? I mean, if it makes your people happy and they're happier employees and they're nicer to people because they're wearing the uniforms that they feel more comfortable in, uh, that are easier to wear, easier to launder, less stifling and hot in our, in our lovely Louisiana summers, wouldn't that pay uh, dividends in, in patient, perceptive and per- patient perception and customer service? But what's the point we're trying to get across with the uniform? I mean, we're trying to get across that we're there to help. If we're looking like everybody else in a... <laughs> In a, just a, a, a pullover shirt and some, you know, some dockers. I mean, I think that's going to send the wrong message. Mm-hmm. But, you know, counsel, let me ask you this question. I'm going to ask you two. So once Kelly gets started, I don't want him to cut you off again. But um, <laughs> so two things. Was there anything in the research that showed about wearing white shirts for the leaders, the supervisors that are out there? And two, what about the differentiation of rank? in the sense of I'm a paramedic, an EMT, or, or you know, a supervisor in that realm. Uh, any sense of those two? So the white color in healthcare, kind of like how physicians wear white coats, is connotative towards a positive impression. And so uh, they, do, they did a study with nursing uniforms where a, nursing, a white nursing uniform is seen as more competent. That being said, I really don't like white in the EMS field because it's so hard to keep clean for an entire shift, especially if we're talking at 24 or 12. Like, there's no way it's not going to be wrinkled and dirty by the end of the shift. So I do, I do like differentiating supervisors on, on, um, on a call with a different color. I think white looks good. I also think supervisors are more likely to be doing activities at a desk and less likely to be um, in a ditch covered in vomit or in mud. So therefore, it's more 
it's more feasible for them to keep their uniform pressed and clean for the entirety of their shift should they need to show that quote unquote white uniform authority as necessary. Oh, rank like EMT versus paramedic. Well, I mean, I, I think, think the, the, I'm sorry. Well, yeah. What do you mean? By well, I think initially, I mean, that's what we talk about. We do differentiate between EMTs and paramedics, but we also differentiate within our leadership team as well. Well, I think on a call, realistically, kind of, this goes back to what Kelly was saying about attitude. Re- realistically, whoever takes charge of the call is going to take charge of the call, and you internally are going to know who is who's taking rank. And so if it's a medic and a basic and the medic takes charge, the patient's going to defer to the clinician and the provider that is taking charge. And I don't think they're going to – they're not going to notice whose patch says what. I volunteered as a basic, and I wore red, which – I mean, I would have people ask calling me doc and it's like, no, I'm, I'm the lowest man on the totem pole here, not the highest, but I had a different color uniform. So, and I often don't, I I don't think patients usually pay one bit of attention to the patch on our uniform, uh, and, uh, and the, the certification. I don't think they, they know the vast majority of them can distinguish between an EMT and a paramedic. It's, as, as counts pointed out, it's the demeanor and who takes charge that's, or the senior person. But but back on the back on the the wearing white, and this this ties into the the whole building rapport versus authority thread. Now Chris probably goes back this far, and and I certainly do. You remember when you were a kid and you were taken to the pediatrician's office? You knew something was up because you were in the room with the highlights magazine and the jungle gym in the corner, and there's a bunch of other kids, and all the doorknobs are are much higher on the door than usual. Uh, and you get that fear and trepidation starting until the, the woman comes out with the orthopedic stockings and white shoes and the cap on her head and the white uniform. And the fear really sets in because, you know, that's the person that's going to jab you in the buttocks with a needle. Okay? Now, flash forward to, to the way nurses have adapted their uniforms. Look, go to a pediatrics unit and see what kind of scrubs that the nurses wear in those pediatrics units. They don't wear the white scrubs. They, it's all bunnies and bears and lollipops and, and colorful designs and everything to put the children at ease. I think it, it, it certainly could follow that the same is true of, of building rapport with, uh, um, with, with our patients who are not pediatric patients. And, and it is possible to look uh, professional uh, and be identified easily visually as, as a member of uh, an EMS unit without necessarily looking authoritative in your uniform choice. I could ask y'all what you think of that, but uh, I probably already know Chris. Well, I mean, I, I, mean, I, think that the, I think that that's where this whole uniform concept came from is the fact of being, being able to be differentiated. Uh, but I do agree with you. I think mm-hmm. back in the old days, plus when I was growing up, uh, you know, I was five years old in 1970, my doctor still came to my house, you know, and he, he wore the coat and, the, you know, had the little thing on his head and the whole nine yards. So, but, so if we get back and as we get up there in time counts, we really need to think about wrapping this up. So when we think about the article and we think about the research, what, what are we taking from it? I mean, so what are we giving to our audience to say you're wearing the right uniform? You, you, you may need to consider a change, um, you know. Uh, do we need to get away from just the whole uniform concept and get into more of a, you know, because a lot of the community paramedicine programs now are going to just a black trouser or a blue trouser with a, you know, an, uh, an un, uh, um, you know, uh, with a polo shirt that doesn't have any real uh, markings on it. I mean, so what's the right answer here? 
So I think we have to remember that partially EMS is still in the public safety realm. So I can see the community paramedicine argument because at the end of the day, that's more healthcare based and that's more public health. And so you have an ongoing relationship with a patient and they see your face, they see your car, they know who you are and they know what to expect. But if someone <coughs> calls 911 and they're- a chance at a first impression. Exactly. If they're calling 911 for the first time and there's some kind of event going on or they're scared or they're worried or whatever, they're at a heightened state of agitation. I agree. You don't want to instigate them further by making them have flashbacks to the nurse jabbing them in the butt with a needle. And then you also don't want to instigate them further by making them look like making it look like you're a police officer there to arrest them for the pot they're hiding in their couch. But realistically speaking, you can avoid those concepts by being a competent, reasonable normal human being when you interact with a patient and explaining to them what they're doing and using positive communication skills and not just doing something to the patient, but involving the patient in their care. Um, my, my, actually, my greater concern with uniforms as far as patients, um, patients is actually patient safety. Because realistically, we have data to suggest that our uniforms are killing people because we're not cleaning them correctly. Whereas we have no data that says that our uniforms are killing us because they make us look like something that we're not. And so that's where I have greater concern. I think bottom line is no matter how spiffy or professional your uniform is, it's not going to hide the fact that you are a apathetic or unsympathetic provider uh, or an unprofessional one. Uh, And uh, someone with a professional demeanor and who is empathetic and caring, uh, a lot of people are going to overlook uh, their personal appearance to a certain extent. They may not care so much about the sleeve of tattoos they have or the piercing in their ear uh, or the style of their uniform as long as the, the empathy and professionalism and caring shines through in their demeanor. You know, Counts, just, just one more thing before I give it to Kelly for the close. And, you know, you, you have a very, very uh, extensive background in research. I'd like to be able if you could, to come up with some type of uh, numbers, some type of metrics to determine who does a better job on this podcast. So maybe you could kind of figure that out for us. But until we get there, uh, I want to say thank you. It has to do with lack of uniform and beanbag chairs. So with that said, Counts, with that (laughs) said, uh, I want to thank you for being on the show. Promises you'll come back. I think there's a lot of stuff that we can talk about. Uh, you're one of our favorite guests, and this is only the second time you've been here, but uh, uh, we thoroughly enjoy it and uh, promise, you should, promise us you'll come back. Y'all are a hoot as always. I would be happy to be back. Yeah. With some, good, with some th- good research next okay. time. Okay, go, yeah. Kelly. Sorry. Well, that's what we think, but we'd like to hear what you think. Does the color uniform uh, make a difference to ourselves and our patients? Give us your thoughts at the show at ems1.com. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. And for myself, co-host Chris Ceballero and Catherine Counts, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We'll catch you guys next week.